And now, Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. I know that while we send our prayers and our love, we also, with each day, renew our commitment to the urgency of now and the ability that we have collectively, all of us in it together, to do something about it. This has been Veep Thoughts by Kamala Harris. Stu does America. The urgency of now? Which is, sounds like she's asking, asking a question to all of us, and I certainly don't know the answer to it. Veepthoughts.com is where you can get all the Veep Thoughts from Kamala Harris. We, I did notice when we were thinking about, because today we're going to talk a little bit about the Nancy Pelosi trip to Taiwan, and... If you think about the top three people in our government right now, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, none of them can speak. Is that is this a problem? I mean, Kamala Harris can say the words, but the words don't mean anything. Nancy Pelosi, maybe she can have coherent thoughts. I don't know. I can't tell because she's drunk all the time. And then Joe Biden can't do either. So this is kind of a problem. BlazeTV.com slash stew is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. Live action's Christina Bennett is going to be here, the latest on the Kansas abortion legislation. And we'll talk about that Nancy Pelosi trip to Taiwan and see if we can verify her blood alcohol level upon arrival. But first, we start by doing the left's new experiment. Oh, it's so fun to play games with our democracy. Yes, we, of course, are a constitutional republic, not a democracy, but there are elements of a democracy inside of our constitutional republic. And, you know, the left talks all the time about how important democracy is. They want to make sure that we protect it. They really, really super duper care about that. At least they started caring about it right around January 6th. Uh, When all that stuff went on, they all of a sudden really started stepping up and caring about democracy. And I guess maybe you could say they cared about it a little bit earlier when uh, they uh, found themselves winning the election and not losing it. When they thought they were going to lose it, they were saying, Donald Trump is stealing mail trucks full of votes. Do you remember this? Do you remember the left tweeting about how they were stealing mailboxes? Ah, how things change in such a short period of time. Uh, There is a, this is primary day, by the way, by the way, if you happen to be in one of the states uh, active today. I want to highlight a couple of the races. We'll probably get into some of the results a little bit more tomorrow. First of all, uh, in Missouri, the Senate GOP race is going on. It's been a three-way race for most of the time with Eric Greitens, the former uh, governor who had you know his problems with some scandals uh, back in the day trying to make a comeback and uh, he was leading for most of the race probably up until the last couple of weeks um, the main character uh, now uh, in looks like in the lead uh, according to recent polling is Eric Schmidt now they're both named Eric you probably know by now that Donald Trump endorsed Eric now I don't <laughs> he just said vote for Eric and then called by reporting, called both of them and told them they had his endorsement. And then they both had to fight it out in public as they both thought Donald Trump was talking about them. I don't understand the theory here other than Donald Trump seemed to think it was funny. Uh, But I really do hope Eric Schmidt wins. Uh, He's the, I think, better candidate. He is now leading by 13 points in the most recent Trafalgar poll. Uh, Eight points, 12 points, three points, seven points, 14 points are the past five or six polls over the past three weeks or so. So that's uh, seemingly... 
going Eric Schmidt's way. We'll give the results to you tomorrow. There's also a non-election race and an interesting thing. We're going to get into this with Christina Bennett in a little bit, but in Kansas, it's kind of an interesting race. As you know, uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned. You may have remembered a 6-24-22 was the date that that occurred. Uh, and a lot of states had these trigger laws that made abortion be banned or some restriction get passed as soon as Roe versus Wade went away. Kansas was not like that. Kansas was in a very unique situation where in 2019, I believe it was, there was a Supreme Court ruling that was kind of like Roe versus Wade for the state of Kansas that said, hey, we were looking at your constitution and we found the right to abortion in it. Do you believe us? I just it's there. And now you guys are it's totally uh, it's totally you guys have the right to abortion in your constitution. So Roe versus Wade gets overturned. But the state version of Roe versus Wade, if you will, is in Kansas and it still exists. So they are kind of in the state that we used to be in. Different than the uh, way the Constitution works federally, they can vote constitutional changes in in Kansas, and that's what they're trying to do today. Uh, If you support this uh, particular um, uh, amendment, uh, you can overturn what the courts have said is the right to abortion in the state. Now, I think maybe ideally you would have a little bit more of a uh, for the best chance for this to succeed, you'd maybe have a little bit of a break in between, because right now the Democrats are very fired up about abortion and they're probably going to make as good a run as they can possibly make when it comes to maintaining abortion rights in the state of Kansas, which is a pretty red place. I mean, it's not hard for Republicans to win elections there, but this is what the polls look like right now. As things stand in the polls shared with 538, 47% of the more than 1,500 voters sampled support the so-called value them both amendment. 43 are against it. So that's basically 47% saying overturn the Kansas version of Roe versus Wade, 43% against doing that. Now, of course, 18 to 34 voters strongly oppose the amendment at 75%. 52% of Kansans, 35 to 44, oppose it. And then very slight majorities um, support it from 45 up between 50 and 52%. So that is kind of where we stand for tonight. We'll get into the results of those and whatever else happens on the election front uh, this evening. We'll get into that a little bit maybe on tomorrow's program. But I want to kind of focus on tactics a little bit. Tactics are always an interesting part of an election cycle. You can um, run ads about your candidate and how wonderful they are. Picture the family sitting there on a wonderful couch with their arms around each other, supportive, the supportive wife, the supportive children just sitting there smiling beautifully at the camera. You can talk about a biography of a candidate and say, hey, our candidate once saved a puppy from being run over by a lawnmower, and that lawnmower was, run, was being pushed by his opponent. You can do that type of thing. You can go full out negative and talk about how terrible your opponent is. You can say he created the monkeypox virus or whatever you want to say because no one ever seems to fact check any of that stuff. But you can do all those things to try to win elections. And there's always been kind of another thing that you can do. You can go negative as a Democrat, let's say, on your Republican opponent, but there's a time and a place for that. And the Democrats have decided to pick a very particular time and a very particular place to try to do this. I want to give you um, some ads that are being aired right now, and I want you to listen closely to the end of these ads. These are all ads, by the way, uh, against or about candidates who have been labeled by the left as election deniers, as election uh, truthers, if you will, uh, as people who are dangerous to our democracy, people who are, if they are elected, will go into office and 
potentially maybe overturn elections, uh, trash our country completely, make it so our system of government does not work. These are people the left is calling fascist and, and dangerous and the type of people that will destroy our democracy, if you will. The first one is John Gibbs. Check out this ad. John Gibbs is too conservative for West Michigan. Handpicked by Trump to run for Congress, Gibbs called Trump the greatest president and worked in Trump's administration with Ben Carson. Gibbs has promised to push that same conservative agenda in Congress, a hard line against immigrants at the border and so-called patriotic education in our schools. The Gibbs-Trump agenda is too conservative for West Michigan. DCCC is responsible for the content of this advertising. Hmm, now, seems like, I guess you could say, a pretty typical ad. If you notice at the end, the DCCC, the Democrats, are running that ad. And of course, what are they gonna say about a guy who's you know, on the right, he's too conservative for West Michigan? It sounds very normal. But it's the timing of this ad that is interesting. Let me give you another one. Here's Darren Bailey. Republican Darren Bailey, an agenda too conservative for Illinois. 100% pro-life, Bailey wants to ban abortions and make it illegal here in Illinois. An NRA member, Bailey opposes sensible gun control and says he'll protect the Second Amendment at all costs. And Bailey proudly embraces the Trump agenda, calling into question our elections and fighting for gun owners and the unborn. Tell Darren Bailey his policies are just too conservative for Illinois. Wow, Darren Bailey is against, as they say on the screen, liberal gun control. Hmm, that's an interesting thing to point out. Here's Dan Cox. Meet Dan Cox, Donald Trump's hand-picked candidate for Maryland governor. Cox worked with Trump, trying to prove the last election was a fraud. 100% pro-life, he's fighting to end abortion in Maryland. And Cox will protect the Second Amendment at all costs, refusing to support any federal restrictions on guns, even pushing to put armed guards in every school. Dan Cox, too close to Trump, too conservative for Maryland. Wow. DGA Action is responsible for the content of this advertising. Hmm, the Democratic uh, Governors Association is paying for that. It's interesting because, you know, 100% pro-life, hmm, sounds pretty good to me. Uh, you know, a guy who's going to protect the Second Amendment of all costs. Well, that's exactly what I want out of a candidate. Here's uh, Doug Mastriano. This is Republican State Senator Doug Mastriano. He's the Republican who's ahead in the polls for governor. He wants to outlaw abortion. It's Mastriano who wrote the heartbeat bill in Pennsylvania, and he's one of Donald Trump's strongest supporters. He wants to end vote by mail, and he led the fight to audit the 2020 election. If Mastriano wins, it's a win for what Donald Trump stands for. Mm. Is that what we want in Pennsylvania? Mm. Huh. It's an interesting series of ads. First of all, I gotta say, I the one thing I love about politics, the one thing I love about doing this job is watching political ads. I freaking love political ads. They're just so over the top and ridiculous. And I just love the scary voices and the dramatic music and the, the pictures in black and white grainy as they look like in the middle of a word so their face is kind of formed incorrectly. Um, I love all that crap. I love the spectacle of this, even though it's obviously terrible for all of us in our country. But I wanna focus on the timing of these ads. Of course, liberals running ads against conservatives, what's the big deal? That happens in every single campaign, and it sure does. But why, why are they happening now? Why are all these ads, the ones I've showed you, why are they running 
during the Republican primary. In the Republican primary, of course, you want to present yourself, if you are a Republican, as more conservative. You want, probably, in a lot of these places, to be aligned with Donald Trump. You want your voters at that time to hear messages about how you're 100% on pro-life causes, how you are uh, going to uh, protect the Second Amendment at any cost. You may want your voters to know that you push back against the election integrity issues. You may want your voters to know all that. These candidates are running ads very similar, saying very similar things for themselves because they're going against other Republicans. You see too conservative for Western Michigan. Well, that's the race again with Peter Meyer, who's running as a, as a Republican congressperson. And, you know, that's exactly what the message that his opponent would want out there. So why is that happening right now? What's interesting about this is this is the Democrats spending money trying to select their opponents. They believe the candidates that you have just seen are the weaker of the candidates in these particular races and that they can beat them. So instead of running ads for real reasons to say bad things about the Republican, they're actually trying to connect to Republican voters to tell them how conservative they are and how wonderful they are in pro-life causes and how great they are on the border and how great they are in the Second Amendment. So hopefully Republican voters will look at those candidates and vote for them so the Democrats have an easier path to victory. Now, this is a very risky strategy Number one, why? Well, we've seen what happened in 2016 with Donald Trump. This was the strategy of many on the left, particularly in the media, was to elevate Donald Trump above all of these other candidates, give him all of this time on the air, constantly bring him on, ask him questions about the other candidates, let them insult the let him insult the other candidates. Air there his entire rally completely live. Why not? He's a crazy guy. Let him win the primary and then the Democrat can Hillary Clinton can just beat him by a ton. Well, that's what everyone thought was going to happen. Remember? Remember all of that? Well, it didn't happen. And you'd think the Democrats would understand that this sort of stuff can backfire on you pretty freaking easily. They've just gone through it. And here they are trying to promote all these candidates that they think will be easier to defeat. But that's not the whole story here. I mean, you can make an argument for something like that. You can make an argument if you have a couple of candidates, you think one is worse. Hey, let's help that one out so we'll have an easier path to win. What's the problem with that? I mean, I've, I've uh, talked about this before. There, are, there have been incidents in close elections where it's, you can't spend any more money from your campaign, you've maxed out your donations, and you want to run ads. Maybe, let's say, in a normal Republican-Democratic race, if you're the Republican, maybe, you know, if you're a Republican donor, maybe you donate some money to the Green Party candidate. They're not going to win. They're at like 2% or 1%. And maybe they pull enough votes away from the Democrat for you or your candidate to win. You can see things like that happening. And sometimes those things do happen. But this situation is very, very different. The Democrats have spent the better part of the last two years telling you the people they're running ads in favor of for trying to promote so that they can go against them are dangers to democracy, are people who will make the country collapse. You're running ads to get that person into the final two of an election, a person you're saying is going to destroy the country, a person you are saying is going to destroy democracy. 
that person you are saying is going to fraudulently manipulate election results if they happen to be in office? A person you are saying is going to be the end of people's rights? They are trying to promote people that they themselves are saying are massive threats to the country. They are spending their money doing this. Why? Yeah, sure, you want to win, but what happens if things go wrong? What if your candidate gets into a scandal? What happens if the overwhelming uh, tide of the red wave that very well might be coming pushes all these guys across the finish line? What happens then? You've now advertised on the behalf of people you say are going to tear the country apart. Why would you do that? So there's leaves you with two real op- options here. Number one, they don't actually believe these candidates are going to tear the country apart. They are saying that to everyone and the media is parroting those claims. But maybe these guys aren't actually all that dangerous and they're just Republicans. And while you might disagree with some of their stuff and you might think some of them are a little bit nutty, uh, they're just people who will get into office and vote like conservatives do. That could be part of it. The other part of it, though, is if you're if you really believe these people are dangerous to democracy, and you're promoting them and giving them a better chance to win elections. Well, what, are, what do you actually think about this country? Do you want it saved? Do you want it protected? I mean, again, I would disagree with almost all of their aspersions that they're casting on these candidates. But still, if you actually believe these candidates are poison for the country you supposedly purport to love, why would you dump money into their campaigns? Why would you try to get them to the finals where in a two-party system, there's basically no chance of anyone other than one, one or two people winning? One of the two people you're saying is dramatically terrible. Peter Meyer is a great example of this. Meyer is the one running against, uh, what was it, Gibbs? Yeah, John Gibbs in uh, in Michigan. Now, what we've heard from the Democrats is that people uh, who we can't have a Republican Party who wants to, uh, to steal elections. We can't have a Republican Party who wants to tear this country apart. Well, Meyer actually voted for Donald Trump's impeachment. Wouldn't you want him in Congress if you're on the left? Wouldn't you want him to win to protect the democracy? Wouldn't you want him to win his primary? So, Worst case scenario, even if you have someone who's a Republican and he's sort of a libertarian leaning guy, you might say, "Okay, well, at least we have someone who doesn't want to steal elections and is against January 6th. No, they're promoting his opponent. This is so hypocritical. You can have this idea that you think these people are dangerous for democracy or you can have the idea that you're going to try to put up the best uh, possible chance at victory so that you guys can win. You can go for your power or you can say these people are really, really bad. But you can't have both of these things. You can't both. You can't say at the same time, these people may tear our country apart, but let us promote them because it gives us a 5% chance uh, to get a little bit more power uh, than the previous situation that we had. That is not sensible. It makes no sense whatsoever. Now, there are some on the right, uh, left pushing back against this. Uh, even people like AOC is saying that the strategy is dangerous. Uh, people all over the left are saying this. But this is not chump change here. The House Majority Pack ran uh, ads against uh, David uh, uh, Valadeo, who also 
promoted or voted for Donald Trump's impeachment. Uh, $425,000 they ran. These are this is not chump change. And this is just one campaign across the country. You know, someone's got to call them out on this. Either you believe these people are actually dangerous or you don't. And if you do believe they're actually dangerous, you should not be promoting their campaigns. So either admit that you're lying about how dangerous they are, and then you can continue to run the ads, or stop running the ads. You can have one, you can have the other, but you can't have both. Genucel is the best in skin care. We have uh, this letter that came in. Uh, love, Genucel, uh, plant stem cell therapy. Have used it all over my face, under my eyes, and it cleaned up the dry flakiness and even reduced my forehead lines. Someone even asked if I had work done. No. Thank you, Just Genucel. That's from Samantha in Arcadia, California, raving about her results with Genucel. We get these all the time because Genucel has sold over a million products to women and men across the country, and they love the results. Fine lines, r- forehead wrinkles, dark spots, sagging jawline, and even those annoying bags and puffiness can be gone without the risky procedures. And with its immediate effects, you can get guaranteed results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. This is also a great gift. If you have a gift, you're not sure what to get somebody, GenuCell, you get them the package, they're going to get a little bit of everything. It's a great idea, and it's 65% off their most popular packages right now at GenuCell.com. Every most popular package includes a free month supply of the original uh, GenuCell under-eye bags and puffiness treatment. You can visit GenuCell.com slash stew and enter stew at checkout for an extra special discount. Order today and get their summer essential. That's the dark spot corrector. Absolutely free. Go to GenuCell.com slash stew. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash stew. It's GenuCell.com slash stew. I want to welcome in Christina Bennett to the program. She is a news correspondent for Live Action, which is a great organization. Christina, how's it going? Good. Thank you so much for having me on. I I really appreciate you doing this uh, and taking the time. Uh, You have been active in the the pro-life sort of arena for a while, and you kind of started because of a personal story. Can Can you tell people about it? Yes, I would love to. When I was in college in Connecticut pursuing a communications degree, I discovered that I was once scheduled to be aborted. Somebody at church approached me and said, God wants you to know something remarkable happened around the time of your birth. And I ended up asking my mother and she was hesitant to tell me, but she eventually told me that she had scheduled to abort me, but she walked out of the doctor's office. Really, she ran out after he yelled at her when he told her, don't leave this room. You've already paid for this. You're just nervous. You need to stay. And when she told him, no, I changed my mind. I want to have my baby. He got really upset and she ran out and she kept it as a secret for over 20 years. But when I discovered that truth, it really changed the way that I saw the abortion issue. I had never really thought about abortion because I grew up in a very liberal progressive state and it was never talked about in my home and never talked about in church. But at that moment, I realized that I was once scheduled to die and I was rescued by a janitor at the 11th hour and it changed everything for me. It's really an incredible story and, you know, a powerful one. I mean, I I can't imagine finding out about that later on. It's, of course, going to change your perspective. I'm curious if you had a a similar reaction, because I I don't have a a great personal story uh, as to why I'm pro-life, but 
I mean, I followed the debate very closely for a very long time. I, you know, this is something that we talk about often. It's very important to not only me, but to my family and the audience and my church and so many, uh, so many people on the pro-life cause are, are out there fighting for this. But like, I, to be honest, kind of felt like it just seemed like an, a, 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 an unscalable hill. Like it just seemed like Roe versus Wade was never going to go away. The media was on this one side of it. People said, if you're, you're crazy, if you're on the pro-life side and, and it had been beaten into me for so long. I don't know that I actually believed I'd ever see the day that Roe versus Wade was overturned. Can you tell me, is that how you felt going into this? And can you tell me when you actually heard it was happening, how you felt? Well, I can relate to what you're saying. And I think a lot of people, you know, had hope deferred and felt that way. I didn't feel that way exactly because I just believed for so long, for 17 years, I really believed that I would see the overturning of Roe versus Wade in my lifetime. And so I kept that continually before me. And I really meditated on hope. And I prayed and I worked very hard to see this day come. And so I did have faith that it would happen. But of course, still, even when you believe something is going to happen, even when you say it's going to happen and you proclaim it, when it actually does happen, it still feels surreal. It still feels like a dream. And you're, you can't believe that's actually happening, even though you said it was going to happen. So that's why I said I can relate because I believed it. I knew it. But when it happened, I was just still in awe. Well, I'm not exactly known for my optimism, so uh, don't don't feel bad if you're more optimistic. <laughs> I get than it. It's it's hard to be optimistic <laughs> in our world at times because there's so much negative things that happen, and we've never seen anything like this happen. We're talking about close to 50 years of established law and precedent that was overturned in our lifetime. Some people never see something like this happen in their entire lifetime. Yeah, well, I'm glad that it did. And what's interesting, I think, about it is because Roe versus Wade was so central to the debate on life for such a long time, I think there is this idea that, OK, Roe versus Wade has been overturned. We did it. It's over. And really, that's not the case at all. That's just the beginning of the actual debate on this issue, because with the constitutional supposed right to abortion locked in, there was no real room to have the debate uh, on life and the, and the issues surrounding it. Now we're in that situation where the real hard work has to be done. That's true. And I am one in one of those hard states where the work has to be done. I live in Connecticut. And unfortunately, our state is very pro-abortion. We don't even require teenagers to notify their parents if they're going to have a surgical abortion. They have to notify them if they want to get a tattoo or their ears pierced, but not an abortion. So I can relate to that. I thank God for the other states like Georgia, like Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, the states that are pro-life and they are fighting to continually advance pro-life legislation. But for New York and Connecticut and California and other states, we need people to rise up and to know that the fight is not over and there is still much work to be done. Mm, yeah, I, I was born in New York and I grew up in Connecticut. And uh, I get, oh, there's definitely, wow. it's definitely true. I, I you know, there's, they're not going to be changing those laws anytime soon, but maybe they're, at, they're, at some point uh, they will uh, wake up to this. Because I, I do feel like the, the, the long arc of history bends towards life in this issue. And yes. I feel yes. like, you know, we are we're looking at a, a time that eventually will be looked back upon it with, you know, crinkled brow. How how is it possible that a society would allow this uh, to go on for such a long time? But maybe we're starting to turn the tide just a little bit. I hope so. I believe so. I think that if 
America could change, if the Supreme Court can change, then what's New York? You know, what's Connecticut? What's California? These individual states can change. It may take a couple more decades. Who knows? But but I do believe that they can. And there are millions of Americans that are fighting for that change to happen. And we're not going to let go. We're relentless. We're going to continue until we see protection for preborn children in the womb. Uh, one of the first um, examples of this battle fighting uh, kind of being uh, played out tonight in the in an election in Kansas, where in Kansas kind of had this same type of thing, like almost like a localized Roe versus Wade, where they got a Supreme Court ruling. I think it was in 2019 that said, hey, con- you know, we looked with a magnifying glass and we found abortion. Uh, it's guaranteed right in the Constitution. Uh, that's what the courts say. I would probably disagree with that significantly. But they now have a chance to pull that out and to overturn that with a constitutional amendment that Kansas voters are going to vote on. And you look at that and you say, well, Kansas is a pretty red state. Is this going to go the right way, Christina? What do you think is going to happen? I hope so. I mean, at live action, we are encouraging people vote yes on value them both. We are telling them to go to the polls and to vote yes and to protect the preborn in Kansas. And we've seen a lot of people who are enthusiastic and have said, yes, I've gone to the polls. I'm voting yes. And they want to protect children in the womb. They want to protect the legislation they already have because Kansas does have parental notification. Kansas does not allow for late abortions in second and third trimester. They cut them off, I think, at 20 weeks. And so this legislation would allow those things to be protected, as well as giving room to further protect children in the womb at even younger gestational ages. And so we are working and encouraging people to go to the polls and to to vote yes on value them both. And again, so yes means get rid of the the Kansas version of Roe versus Wade. No would mean maintain that version, basically, right? Yes. Yes would be allowing for there to be a constitutional amendment, which is this constitutional amendment that they're proposing called value them both. And if they vote yes, then this constitutional amendment can pass. And then they will have more control over protecting children in the womb in the days to come. Okay, so if you're pro-life in Kansas, vote yes. Make sure you pick the right one. That would be uh, (laughs) voting yes. Very, very important. Um, Can you talk to me a little bit about what we've seen on the side of crisis pregnancy centers. This has been a big uh, issue and debate. The left seems to hate them all of a sudden. They, I mean, they, 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 there's this kind of argument I've seen many, many times from the left, particularly on social media, where they will say, hey, um, you know, if you're so for uh, pro-life, well then how about getting health care to women and making sure that they get all this prenatal care? And, and, and then the crisis pregnancy center comes along and they do that, and now they want to ban the crisis pregnancy center. It doesn't make sense. And it's very tragic. I used to work for a center for four years. I was the client service manager for a center in Connecticut. And we offered parenting classes at no charge. We offered material resources, diapers, baby clothes, maternity clothes. We helped them get WIC. We helped them get housing. We helped them fill out job applications. And it goes on and on. And there are thousands of centers all across the country that are providing this type of care ultrasounds, STD testing, prenatal care at no cost to women and families. These centers right now are being burned to the ground. They are being targeted. People are spray painting. There's a radical pro-abortion group called Jane's Revenge. They're spray painting their buildings. You can't tell me that you care about women and families if you are going to destroy the very places that are offering them free services and resources in their time of need. 
It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. This is, I mean, like the crisis pregnancy center should be something that everybody agrees on, right? Like these are the types of services right. that women say that they need and get at places like Planned Parenthood, which does not really provide most of them. But that's what they claim. It's not just about abortion. We have all these other things from others. Well, these things exist at crisis pregnancy centers, free of charge in most ca cases. And we still see the people on the pro-choice side of this argument attacking them. And, and as you point out, some going much, much farther than that. Christina Bennett, she's a news correspondent for Live Action, which is such a great organization. I encourage you to support them and vote yes in Kansas if you happen to be pro-life. Very, very important thing. They are saying this vote is going to be close. You wouldn't think so necessarily in a red state. But, you know, the media is there pushing hard for uh, the, uh, the pro-abortion side of this argument. So if you are in Kansas, make sure to vote yes on that amendment. Uh, Christina, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to, talking to us. Oh, about this. it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do, and it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right real estate agent. How do you find that person? Well, you can go through the old process. You can go on Zillow and look for a house that you like and click the name below. Usually that's the person representing the seller, so you might want to get your own agent on your side. If you're selling a home, who do you go to? Maybe a friend. Maybe uh, you see an ad on a uh, bus bench somewhere. You see a face, a smiling face and on ads all across your community. That's not the best way to pick someone. You need someone who's been screened, who's gone through a really arduous process to show and prove that they're the best agent in a particular area. And that's why realestateagentsitrust.com exists. If you want to get the best real estate agent in your market, you can do so. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com today. Provide them with some basic info, and the team will contact you to make the introduction to the best agent in your town. It's realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. We just had a great conversation with Christina Bennett from Live Action about Kansas and their abortion legislation. It's going on right now if the voting is, so make sure you get out there and we'll uh, go get you with the results tomorrow when they are available. You know, over uh, talking about not only the Kansas situation, but also Roe versus Wade in general. Uh, now, we as conservatives know that a majority of real Americans don't support the wholesale murder of babies. I mean, you look at the polling on it and the Democrats' position on abortion is not popular. It's not like uh, it's not even a 50 50 issue. That's how it's presented sometimes as a 50 50 issue, maybe even a center left issue. It's it's really not. It's really kind of where the Republican Party is and maybe some people who want abortion in the first trimester. But polling even shows that the crazy stuff that you know the Democratic Party is advocating for is not even close to popular. I do think that eventually we'll see more people turning to the light and, you know, like Christina, standing up for the right to life whenever possible. We can't all be like me, though, blabbing about it on, on television and on podcasts all day. Uh, but we do have the perfect item for those who oppose abortion and want to show it. It's the official Stoop Does America 62422 merch. It's available now uh, June 24th, of course, of this year, being the wonderful day that the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. Not everybody in the world is going to know what it means, but you can inform them. And, uh, and when you do, maybe you'll piss off someone on the left who's able to put it together on their end. They don't often put things together 
very well, but maybe they'll be able to do this. Who knows? We've got T-shirts, mugs, stickers, ton of great stuff, and it's all available at stewdoesmerch.com. And when you go to stewdoesmerch.com, you're really helping support this stupid little show that you happen to watch every once in a while uh, or listen to on podcasts. We do really appreciate when you do it. Helps us, uh, you know, stay on the air and continue to blab about this stuff. Let's not lose our momentum because, you know, look, there's nothing more important than this. Uh, stewdoesmerch.com. Enter the promo code STU10 and get 10% off your entire order. It's stewdoesmerch.com. What is your credit score? What is your social security number? Why did you just tell me? your social security number. And that's a terrible, terrible job by you. You're supposed to be protecting your data. But the three-week rule is something you also might want to consider. The three-week rule is basically wait three weeks. You want to make a purchase, a big one that you're going to have to finance, wait three weeks. Why? Go to ScoreMaster and figure out why. They're going to raise your credit score. And then when you take out that loan for that new thing, you're going to save money on the loan. The average ScoreMaster user gets a boost in their credit score of 61 points. And 61 points added to your credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars on whatever you're going to be financing, especially if it's like a house or something. I mean, it's a huge, huge difference. ScoreMaster technology was developed by data credit scientists who boosted, who figured out, basically reverse engineered the whole uh, credit system and, and said, okay, hey, how can we make this better for people? Because people, it's a black box. No one knows how to do any of this stuff. Well, ScoreMaster does. ScoreMaster is easy. It only takes a couple minutes to get started, and you don't have to wait months for your best credit score. How many points can you add to your credit score? Be sure to visit scoremaster.com slash stew for the special seven-day trial available now. Scoremaster.com slash stew. We're hooking you up at scoremaster.com slash stew. Check it out now. You may have noticed that very little has gone right since Joe Biden became president of the United States. There haven't been a lot of successes to point to. And of course, this is why he was so excited to talk about the uh, death of al-Zawahiri, who is a guy you might remember. He was like the number two in charge of al-Qaeda after Osama bin Laden was killed. He kind of took over. Sort of a big, big name uh, in the al-Qaeda world and someone we have tried to get for a long time. And look, I... Uh, and I don't need to make this political. I am uh, very happy this guy is gone. He was a very, very bad guy and did lots of terrible things, is responsible for the deaths of thousands of Americans and good riddance. Bye-bye. And while obviously the actual people who did the work here are the military, you know, the president gets some credit when he makes these decisions. Remember, Joe Biden was the one who said we shouldn't go after Osama bin Laden. So, I mean, their question was real. If given this opportunity, would he actually take out a high value terrorist target? I don't think we knew, uh, but it did actually wind up happening. And I'm glad it happened. Of course, it oddly happened in downtown Kabul, who so the guy's like living in literally like the ritzy neighborhood of, of Afghanistan. If, if, you know, it's all everything's relative, boys and girls. But, you know, for, for Afghanistan, it was like the Beverly Hills of Afghanistan, right near the old U.S. embassy. This is not a place he would have lived if, you know, we didn't just abandon the country and let the Taliban take over. And you might say, well, what evidence is there that the Taliban is really, you know, protecting a guy like this? Well, there's a little evidence. It's, mi- it's a minor amount of evidence. I don't know if this will be convincing to you, but you know, you tell me, was the Taliban shielding this guy or not? Um, Noah Blum pointed this out. He said, can't believe that uh, al-Zawahiri was staying at the home of New York Times contributor Sirajuddin 
Haqqani. Now, you might say there's no way he was staying at the home of a New York Times contributor. And then he posted the op-ed from the New York Times that this guy wrote. And here it is. And what's the title of it? What we, the Taliban, want. Oh, okay. Now, what's fascinating about this is the guy, so a new guy who wrote an op-ed from the Taliban for the New York Times is the guy who was apparently it was there's some reporting differences, but it looks as if uh, he was shielding uh, this guy in 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 uh, Al Zawahiri in this house. Um, this is amazing because then they edited their story to hide that detail. The New York Times story on Al, uh, Aman Al Zawahiri originally said, according to one American analyst, the house was struck uh, that was struck was owned by a top A2 Sirajuddin Haqqani, a senior official in the Taliban government. It was removed without any note. And here's the receipts for that. If you uh, don't don't believe it, there's the paragraph. And then it was uh, deleted. Really, really a fascinating, fascinating turn uh, in this story. And we'll give you up the updates as well. We'll also keep you updated on what's going on with Nancy Pelosi as she goes over to Taiwan. We haven't talked too much about this on this particular program, mainly because honestly, like I can see uh, how I don't want China dictating to us where our officials go. You don't get to tell us where we go. We go where we want to go. We're the United States of America. So when China says don't go, it makes me want to go. On the other hand, you know, and this was even written up by Thomas Friedman in in an op-ed in the the New York Times. uh, It's a reckless trip, largely, I think, because the incompetence of this administration, this is not Friedman's point exactly, but it's my point. These guys are so incompetent. How can you possibly envision them handling this appropriately? I certainly can't. Uh, they're doing everything wrong over and over again. And that brings us to our fantastic segment we do over and over again every day. And you might say, how are you finding all these stories? It's really easy. It's called Biden's newest low. Yes, we have a newest low for the Biden administration, this time a job approval rating from Gallup, which says now 38 percent of people are happy with the job the president is doing. Now, the Gallup poll has been a little bit more friendly to Biden than some other polls. So you've seen lower numbers in other places, but this is the lowest that the Gallup poll has been. And you see the roller coaster ride of his approval rating, which never goes up. It's just there's a couple moguls there on your way down the mountain, but it just keeps going down, 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 down to its lowest it's ever been. And that's today's version of Biden's newest low. Okay, so here's what happened. Someone was going to get put to death in Alabama the other day and a reporter showed up to cover the um, execution couple of problems. Uh, skirt was way too short. <laughs> why? Now, why there are skirt guidelines for executions, I don't know. I don't know. But apparently the skirt was too short. And the excuse from the reporter was, I've worn this exact skirt to previous executions. It was never a problem. Uh, that's You have a weird life, if that's a statement that you would say. But she eventually got some, some straps, I guess, from someone and lowered the skirt so it would cover enough to be appropriate, and then had to change from open-toe shoes to tennis shoes to also be allowed in to watch someone get lethally injected. Now, you might say to yourself, I mean, give the guy a break. He's getting murdered. 
you know, can you at least get a show here or something? I mean, if you th- maybe, I don't know, you know, the short skirt might be something he'd enjoy. And then you remember he's actually a murderer, so screw him. I think they should all have to wear, he shouldn't be able to see anything at all. Screw him. Um, anyway, uh, your comments are up on YouTube. Uh, we do appreciate them when you do that. Click like on this video right now if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, this one comes in from Classic Rocker. Doing my part for the algorithms. Love the show, Stu. Yes, algorithmic engagement comments are always appreciated on the program. We'll see you tomorrow.